This is I'm a PK. So what? Podcast brought to you by the PK Nation. Listen to real life stories and get tips to thrive as a PK. So yes, your host, the first lady, Ruth Zubairu. I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. I'm a PK. So that was sound test. We're back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Beyond the Pulpit Virtual Summit. It has been an amazing time. And today I have the pleasure of having the conversation with a longtime friend of mine. And right now, who is the resident pastor for this present house? He is an amazing person, multi passionate, multi, multi doings. So he has, he works a full-time job. He's a pastor, he's a father, he's a husband. He has other passions that God has laid in his heart. And today we are going to be having a discussion with him. He's also a PK. Yes, 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 yes. He's also a PK. So what does that mean again? Pastor's kid? <laughs> yes, pastor's kid, yes. <laughs> pastor's kid. Yeah, so... You know, I, can't keep, you know, I can't keep tabs with this uh, terminologies no. and acronyms. I mean, no, this is easy. Preacher's kid, pastor's kid, you know. Pulpit kid, uh, whatever, uh, whatever the P stands for, but in the light of, <laughs> yeah, but I we're, guess we're, my we're... son will rebel against that. He wouldn't like the sound of the pulpit kid. <laughs> All right, anyways. But yeah, we, we we get that, and not to forget, we also um, I met him for the first time back, way back in in Nifes Uniport, Nigerian Fellowship of Evangelical Students where he was a zonal secretary when I was in it too. And we didn't really, yeah, we just knew, I just knew him. But um, life has brought us, you know, into, moved us along. And right now um, we're here. And today it is our pleasure to have you on the hot seat. It's not really a hot seat anyway, but thank you so much for joining us. Wow, thank you, um, Ruth. Is it okay if I call you Ruth? Please go ahead. That's... <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much um, for the pleasure. Like I said um, during our chat, uh, this conversation has been a long time coming. Um, I don't know if I'm excited to have this chat because the typical me would not like to be on any form of hot seat, yeah, or mm. any form of conversation. Yeah, the typical okay. me. You know, um, and I'm glad also about the subject we're talking about because the subject we're having a conversation around today is, which without preempting, preempting what we're about to discuss, um, is is a way for my comfort zone. Just like this, it's not exactly what what I'm excited yeah. to do, but I'm pleased to be here. Honestly. Yeah, thank you so much for obliging us. So let's jump right in quickly. The idea of church without walls. Many times people people use the phrase church without walls. And you know the, the picture that comes to mind is you know, you know, a building that doesn't have walls. So but I know it's figurative. So but what, what would you how would you describe a church without walls, especially in today's world the 21st century and the, the realities that we have going on right now 
a lot of things come to mind. First and foremost, I, I, will, I may not go conventionally. I'm not a conventional guy when it comes to this kind of conversation. The first thing I'd like to say is the church with walls was not God's initial idea. Jesus hmm. himself exemplified it when he came, right? If you look at the story, let, let's, let's, let's backtrack a bit to the story of the first people we knew, know, we came to know as God's people. They were, they were largely nomads. They were always moving from place to place. There are times where they had to build sanctuaries and build temples and tabernacles, majorly for worship and also for housing the ark. Other than that, God always moved amongst his people without restriction. If you look at Jesus' time, when Jesus came, right? So when he was on earth here, for the, for the three and a half years of his ministry, we could spot out the times where Jesus was in the, in the, in the temple. There were mm-hmm. examples of when he went in there and healed someone on Sabbath. Another example of where he went, took up the scroll and read from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. Those are just very, very few and far apart examples. But for the most part of his ministry, Jesus was interfacing with the people. Jesus Hmm. was interfacing with the people. Jesus did not recruit any of his disciples in church. There was was church of the then days, really. He went to the he went to the marketplace. He met virtually 80% of them where they naturally would be on the day-to-day. So mm. I would say categorically that church, in the sense of the word, expunging religion is meant to be without words because the, the founder of the body of Christ, who is Christ himself, mm. established a system where when he wanted to teach the people, he took them away from town. He mm. had lunch in people's house. He had lunch in people's houses. At some point, he was accused of being a wine bibe and a lover of sinners. He interfaced with the people. So I church a lot of people. Yeah. So he interfaced with the people. So my idea of church is the gospel being brought to the people. And as we go further, I might just break it into contemporary times, what I feel it reflects. Okay, okay. That's, uh, I mean, going, going back to, to, the, to the beginning, it's always, a, it's always a good way for us to know what is and what is not. Because usually there, yeah. as in church times, as things have progressed, we have added a lot of other things that are not, that were not there in the beginning. Now, um, there, there has been a lockdown, no movement, and one of the sectors or one of the people who are worst hit are church religious gatherings, people who gather together in one place. Now, how would you, you're, you're a pastor, so this is really coming from looking at administration and how would, um, how would you see what are the realities of caring for the flock, reaching out to them, still feeding the flock in this period. So what are the realities of doing that in a time where we cannot physically gather together? Thank you. Thank you very much for that question. And I feel that's a very good question. So um, in the last three, three weeks or four, 
I think events have brought the reality of what church should be to, before us. Mm. If we had tried as a people, culturally or religiously, to shy away from that reality, now we have been forced by events unfolding. So I'll come from the part where I have a strong conviction that in the whole of this thing, you and I agree that God has not abdicated the throne. So God is in the center of all of this. Yeah. Now yeah. there is the theology of whether he caused it, whether the virus is from him, it's a different hmm. school of thought. But what we will both agree on is that he's still firmly in charge. So yeah. if he is in charge, there is a grand plan. So okay. whether the ailment is from the devil or whether it is humanly um, in, um, engineered, engineered. The, the bottom line is whenever events crop up like this, God ultimately works out his big picture, his purpose. So my question has really been, so if God is in the middle of this, then there must be something on his mind. Okay? Mm. Now, having said that, I'll come directly to your question. The lockdown has presented a harsh reality that, unfortunately, the body of Christ as a whole, speaking generically, we're not ready for. We were not ready for. Mm. Now, everything has to now be done remotely. Two weeks ago, two of the pastors where I worship had to conduct a baby naming ceremony online via, via one of these wow. um, apps, right? Wow. Family gathered, uh, they couldn't, of course, come out. And then the two pastors linked in with the family. And then friends also joined, joined online. Wow. <laughs> it was exciting when they found out the baby size and the name of the child will be so, 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 and so. And then the pastors prayed. Mm. And the christening was done. Okay. That is the new, that is the new church. Mm. Our services have now been moved online. And now our interactions and care, like you mentioned earlier, has to happen remotely. So using the vehicle of technology. So the question now is how ready is the church for this? Well, on a scale of one to 10, maybe 3.5 or four. Now hmm. I speak about the church universally. Yeah, in general. Right? So, uh, this is a, a, a reality that all of us need to embrace very quickly. So from the way we run church to the technology and the tool that we need, we need to identify these things, outline them to the end-to-end -end experience that people mm. usually have. First okay. is the set are the services, then is the fellowship because church is about people really. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, mm -hmm. it has never been about the building. I repeat, it has never been about the edifice, it has never been about the building. It has always been about the people. And so we, at this point, are being forced as religious leaders to go back to the true essence of church, which is mm -hmm. caring and reaching out to the people. And for every investment that is being made, both in infrastructure and technology, 
It is then aimed at how to enhance this, this remote access to people mm. who we are meant to be reaching out to. So that's that's a big that's in a in a in a, in a summary. In a nutshell, the yeah. Dile- in a nutshell, the the dilemma before the church. Something that everyone in our little space were trying to quickly adapt to. God help us to adapt quickly, quickly to it. Now, um, we hope this situation goes away soon. And yes, it will. It will be here when it goes. It will come to pass. Now, yeah. how will how will the will this the behavior? How will it affect church? going forward Ex- to, to be to be more um, explanatory some people would now say uh, I don't need to go to church I can worship God from my house and um, God will hear me after all we're sitting down all of us were at home and then we didn't go to church so that so it's a two question in one yeah so how how do you think it will affect worship going forward and then for those who would um, decide to stay away from gathering church gathering what do you have to say to those people first i would say intrinsically man is a social being god when he created man said it's not good that man be alone Hmm. so whenever the ban is lifted there will just naturally be the tendency for us to want to huddle back together However, this has come to change the face of everything. And, and, and don't, don't get it um, um, twisted. It's not just church. Uh, also, I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also a business person. I, I have a day-to-day uh, nine-to-five where I work with uh, an, an organization. And all the conversations that business people and entrepreneurs and everyone, even institutions are having right now, is how do we respond to the post-COVID world? Mm. And the post-COVID world is going to have a totally different look and feel. First, Mm. I think, from the top of my head, that church would then begin to explore three major areas that we have abandoned before now. Okay? Okay? And I think it is, uh, I say this, and whenever I say this, I speak with respect to the church universal. And I, and I, yeah. I, I, just, I just keep the church in general, and I, keep, I just keep making that disclaimer. The first thing is that the church would need to embrace technology. You yeah. know, there was a generation that felt that the TV was the devil's box. It was, it was easy, and yeah. that the internet, that the internet was was the tool of the of of of, of Satan and the back mm. of Christ. There was a generation. So yes. you see things happen yes. in circles, right? Mm. So there was a conspiracy theory when the internet the came internet up. Yeah. Came up. There yeah. was a conspiracy theory when the invention called when we had mobile um, mobile technology. You know? Just there's, there's always been conspiracy theory. But my thought is that God initiated creation and then made us co-creators that's why he said in genesis let us make mm-hmm. man in our own yeah. image and after our likeness so what mm-hmm. is the image of god what is the likeness of god god is a creator god is an inventor god mm. makes things he creates things god 
takes something from a raw state and he enhances it, right? That's mm -hmm. the nature of God. And that he has passed on to man. So mm -hmm. generation to generation, we're going to see inventions. We're going to yeah. see um, evolution. We're going to experience evolution in technology to match the demands and the need of the generation. Season, yeah. So the church must embrace the reality of technology. Okay. And what that means is that we as a people will then begin to first build human capacity to be able to engage technology. That's one. And then we need to then get the requisite technological infrastructure necessary to effectively preach the gospel in the social media and the internet space. So okay. really, um, it's, not, it's not a time for anybody to say, you know what, um, it's not my thing. Like I said, I made a disclaimer at the beginning of the, this section that yeah. some of us have been a bit reticent about um, technology and, you know, you know. The whole <laughs> social media thing. <laughs> I say this at the fear of sounding old, but it, for me at some point it became a bit noisy and I had to sort of withdraw from the engagement of social media other than using it as a business tool. But now it is obvious that that's a space where we all need to be speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So in as much as there is noise, then we must also engage the truth. We must also bring in the truth to that space. So yeah. all the leaders within this sector must first embrace the cyber church, the digital church. Secondly, I said three. First, yeah. embracing the digital church. Yes, the second is the church originally was a missions church, hmm. right? Yeah. So what church, I mean, technically, how the missionaries brought the gospel to this part of the world was through the vehicle of health care and education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the... In the post-COVID world, the church, the ecclesia, the member, this I'm not talking about the church as a logo or as a name, right? Mm. The ecclesia, the body of Christ, all of us as believers must engage systems and culture. We mm. must engage institutions. So the decay that is being thrown up now by the whole fallout of COVID, we find out that even the most sophisticated and most advanced nations, we have all we have, have been seen brought that to their knees. Knees, right? So we find a lot of gaps. Now we are the image of Christ, the image of God. I said mm. it earlier. Made in His image, we are co-creators with Him. Mm -hmm. Then we must, as a church, infuse ourselves. We must then get into all the institutions. Uh, There's a certain writer that calls it the seven mountains. So technology, education, health, entertainment, we must engage as a missionary. Mm. We must infuse mm. ourselves into these institutions. So the church must become mission-minded, but with a different twist. Now, that brings me to the third leg of the post-COVID church, the way I see it, the post-COVID church would not would lose, would have to lose 
our Christianese language and our Christianese facade. <laughs> pardon, no. pardon my lingua. That is actually short lingua. So let me mm. say what Christianese means is we must lose the way we speak to each other that the world cannot interface or interpret. Mm. So technically speaking, we must lose our King James language and begin to speak the language of the natives there we are, so we can interface with them. A bit related to the second point, but this time mm. my thought is the vehicle of the gospel must be communicated through lifestyle. Mm. Lifestyle, through lifestyle, through affinity groups. So uh, the days of Karen tracks and, and, and ringing a bell in the street, they are far gone. Hmm. If we want to be salt of the earth, if we hmm. want to be light hmm. of the world, we must infuse ourselves into the lifestyle of the people and then cause the change that is From within. For wow. instance, I play tennis. I'm a tennis enthusiast, so I play long tennis. And I belong okay. to a long tennis club. Right, my okay. London is love of people from different different religion and creeds. Mm. So you see, in between those water breaks, we have conversations, right? Yeah, so yeah. conversations around what you do for work, what what what, and and it is expected now. The post COVID church must quit the thou shalt not and thou shalt mm. and begin to engage people, culture, more with idea, ideals, and value system. Hmm. Hmm. It's the days of quoting scriptures are gone. That's what I'm saying technically. Wow. You will become the scripture. We will become the scripture. We will leave the scripture. We will become, we will become an embodiment of what God's word says, and it will be mirrored in everything we do. Wow. All right. I stop there. Very, very profound. Like these three points, like it just blew my mind. Yeah, because the the other one of the speakers mentioned the fact that this our Christianese language is not going to work because we need to people need to understand, understand also, but we need to explain it to them in the language they can understand, and which is what you just said, values. And so the values of kindness, the values of joy, peace, of patience, of, of, um, of love. So those are the things the world can, can, can understand. That's okay, someone offends you in the office. Instead of keeping malice, you forgive. You really So they're like, okay, really? How come? So that's, it, it's really profound because obviously you, you didn't, talk with, 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 with her, but we're saying the, the God is saying the same thing because we have stayed behind our um, walls of this is what we are and then you have to hear, we have to quote the Bible and if possible, hit it on your head. But for impact going forward, that's not what God is saying. You know, I mean, that is a really, is a really good point that everyone should, you know, take, take note of. I think it's it's it reflects what the church, the first church, did, and how we are supposed to respond to evangelism and mission. Now, 
going if okay what's the last point now so what what's is what is now the how how do i put it take your side what's the what's the dividing line now between being like the world how do i now differentiate myself as a christian and not be like the world if i'm supposed to um sort of be infused into the world and then be in their group where should i draw the line so that you know the bible says evil communication corrupts good manners so where do i draw the line between okay being in being in certain circles and 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 then and not isolating myself so that they don't contaminate me and reaching out to them to influence them for god okay good you see um Thank you for that question. I think it's a very good question. That's, I think, is the fear in the heart of a lot of Christians. When we hear things like, we need to infuse the world. One, one, one preacher that has always taught this uh, message of the kingdom and how we are like yeast, you know, you know causing the dough to, to you know, rise and all of that. And it's a mouse moreau, blessed memory. You know, um, and listening to him over the years, I've come to recognize that you see, no matter how small yeast is in the dough, it doesn't stop its effectiveness if it's a good yeast. Mm, yeah. So, no matter how overwhelmed in terms of numbers, I might seem in a place, the moment I come in there, I, may, I should make a difference. Now, infusing a place is different from blending. Blending okay. is when you get in there, you begin to imitate them. Okay. You see? But infusion, it's, it's a subtle way of taking over. And you don't need to be, um, let permit me to use a street palace. You don't need, need to be a militant okay. to take over. You just need to be consistent. Hmm. You just you just need to be who you are at all times. Okay. Be the same person when no one is looking. Be the same. Be consistent with what you profess. This is just a state in a summary. Over time, people will begin to recognize that there, with you there are boundaries. Hmm. With you there are lines, right? Mm-hmm. But they can, if you embody the virtues that the scripture teaches and you are good at the things you do, say for instance in a professional space, they cannot refute the fact that there's something unique about you. And that will keep them drawn to you. It's really if you have a pleasant personality. Everything about the scripture is really nice. So look at the fruit of the spirit, for instance. Yeah. If anyone can live out six of the nine, <laughs> be somebody that will be everybody's friend, okay. full of joy. Uh-huh. Joy, you exude love, you have patience, you have temperance. Uh, you, goodness. You, you are long, you, are, you know, goodness, you, you know, Gentleness. it's important yeah. sometimes. I read, I read a lot, I read a lot of the scripture in contemporary English. <laughs> okay. The reason is it helps me to relate. With it. If you <laughs> read it the fruit of the spirit, yeah, if you read the fruit of the spirit up in the message Bible, 
the Passion Translation, and the Amplified Version, you will see that anybody who can embody just 40% or 50% of that entire package, <laughs> you have so much friends that you, you don't know how to even deal with it. Wow. Why? Because these things just attract people. Mm. You want to be around somebody who gives you a good vibe. You don't want to be around it. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy, bitter, gossiping, always angry person. Yeah. So the moment yeah. you have the fruit of the spirit, you naturally will attract people to you, irrespective of where you are. Then the next responsibility you have is to stay true to your values. Mm. You don't compromise on them just to fit. And you're not afraid not to fit in. For instance, mm. I play, like I said, in the, for instance, in an average club, after tents, after golf, most times, it's, it's alcohol and sometimes intelligence conversation, business conversation, networking, and other times just jokes and many times because people out of the abundance of what they have, they give their dirty jokes. But I noticed that over time, people recognize who you are. They don't even need to see a call around you, even if you have never introduced yourself. And by the way, this pastor title, some of us don't get it everywhere. You know, so in, at work, I'm Engineer Jude, and that's what people know me as. At home, my name, my, my it's just recently my son called me one day, Pastor Jude. And I'd like to be, what's oh that? Oh my God. He was just being mysterious, just yes. being, just yes. being mysterious right? Yes. You know, so like, oh, I know, I know about that part of you too. Ordinarily, that's when they call me daddy. So mm. you are one and the same person, right? My, mm. my wife won't call me Pastor Jude. You know, for her, it's one pet name. It's, you're too young to know. <laughs> I <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, so back to what I was saying. So just stay true to who you are. Maintain your, inter your, your person, your core. Why infusing? If not... You'll be the one that is being infused now, not you infusing others. Mm, I mean, yes, because it's it's a it's a legit fear. Because some people say the Bible says flee from all appearance of evil and, and the interpretation well, has been that's, to, the balance, sorry, sorry, also okay. the balance to that I mean, um I, I, I don't know. I I, I I I say this with every there are certain circles also that because of the predominant activities there, you have no business being there, for God's sake. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, do I give examples? Now you're pushing me to give examples. Yeah, <laughs> I no. Would go to a strip club. I would go to a strip club to no, learn okay, okay, no, okay, for, for a Christian, Christian who is an know, entertainer. I, no, for a Christian who is an entertainer. And you, you and I'm an entertainer. I'm, I'm either in, in the movies or I'm, music person so and some, yeah. of, some i get invited to a birthday party should i go if i look out, okay they are going to be mainly on the fast that i should not go or should i should i for those in the movies should i not act <laughs> should i not act certain kind of movies i mean it's how are we now or should we say we should not now enter those industries because those are no, no, no. Then you missed what I said at first. We are meant to infuse into infuse, those industries. Yeah. We're actually meant yeah. to take take them over. You see, okay. and and trust me, for every industry now, with, with, for the fear of being 
um, labor the conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> For every industry, there is an underlying value system drive okay. until the people who are the drivers are sort of changed. So okay. the, the, an industry is as good as the value system of the, the key drivers. Okay. A sector is as good as the value system of the key drivers of that sector. So, I mean, this can broaden out into things like politics and all of that. It's a, it's a hydra headed conversation. But suffice to say that God expects us everywhere okay. to take over okay. and determine what goes on there, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then there are case by case basis of conversation of how involved should you be but what we, what we are for the purpose of this conversation we're meant to take over every space that we are dominated and bring in the values of the kingdom of god into that yeah. space. that's how yeah. we'll be light exactly i was i was just trying to throw in a spanner into the whole thing so that because i know some people will have we have those questions. <laughs> you did it well. Okay, so in 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 serving in serving God, that's the I don't I don't serve God full time for church workers. So people have this. I'm not a full time. So I'm not serving full time. Or for those who are saying that, for those who are called, they say, okay, I'm not called to full time or I'm not called part time. What would you, um, especially in the realm or in the face that we're going to going to to be seeing in post-covid what what what's the place of service what's whether in in for those behind the pulpit or for those in the choir stand or whatever serving god what's the full-time versus part-time what do you what's your take on that there's nothing like a part-time service to be <laughs> There's absolutely nothing like that. I feel that's one of the that's one of the the um, greatest lies that we, that religion sold to us. Because I, I can I, I can't say now that I'm a part-time Christian. You know, you know. There's another there's another language that people now say my spiritual life and my physical life. There is absolutely nothing like that. You're one and the same person. You know, you are you are essentially a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. And and people. Believers must come to the place of consistency wherever they are. And why I say there's nothing like full-time or part-time service mm. to God is that for every time, every of your waking and I dare to say sleepy moment is meant to be in the service of God. You are meant to serve God wherever you are. So I do not see, get this now, mm. I was speaking to, the, to some guy who was in charge of the technology production of a church. And I, I, I felt led yesterday to tell him that right now he's the bishop of that church. And he was shocked when I said that. I said, listen, now you are the guy who does the graphics, the media mixing, the scripting of this whole production called an online service. Yes, someone preaches the message and they see that person's face. But an error from your end ruins the entire experience of those who would seek to, to be part of that service. So yeah. that guy who nobody probably knows his name, 
walking behind the scene as a media guy, as a cameraman, as a technology expert, putting together the full experience of church. It's much a bishop as the guy who's, who's opening the Bible and saying Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. So everyone in the entire spectrum of the kingdom, whether you wear a collar or you do not, in fact, the collars have been flung out now because the vehicle and the tool that this generation understands is the place of professionalism you must it's like jesus god was saying in the scripture who will bring me into the strong city that cry of heaven is still ringing today god is saying what profession what expertise will i ride on into the mm -hmm. city mm -hmm. god is expecting us to all of us with our beauty, our prof profession, our knowledge, capacity to mirror the values of the kingdom. And that's, that's the new church. That, that's the new church. So all of us are full-time, yeah. All of us are full-time. All of us are full time. <laughs> thank you so much for, thank you so much for that. I mean, I could listen to this session and I'm, and I'm very sure that those who are watching and listening would, would bear me with this i mean it's almost like every line should be repeated you know but, but going to something more um, reflective and you know down memory lane as a pk preacher's kid um how was how was it like growing up what, what was the experience there are different some people have it as pk some people have it really easy some people have it not so easy. Some have it very nice. So, um, what was your experience? I'm one of those that gets crashed into becoming a preacher's kid because I wasn't born <laughs> a preacher's kid. So my dad, my dad, my dad was not saved until when I was about 14 or so, right? Uh, so uh, he he was not a, he was not a Christian. Um, my mom was in one of the Orthodox denomination, and I was brought up. Um, in that in the right and religious um, tenets okay. of that orthodox orthodox um, niche, yeah. Okay. So, but as a teenager, fourteen, my dad got saved. I don't want to go into a salvation story. That let's reserve that for a full episode, right? <laughs> because because the drama around his own salvation that made me curious, hmm. but dramatic way God saved him made me curious about the power of God. So that's also birthed my own salvation, right? Mm. So my dad became a preacher when I was about 17 or so, just exiting teenage, 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 teenage years. years, you know. But okay, so by I, I then you were already, you were, already, were you already a Christian before he um, no, I said that his salvation brought about my salvation, right? Okay. And of course, it took him a couple of years before he became a preacher. A preacher. Okay. His phone was a bit radical, right? So he met God in a very interesting way. The apostle ah, Paul kind of meeting God. <laughs> and, uh, I said we'll save that for another episode, right? So okay. now he, he got, by the time he became a preacher, I was saved already. Okay. okay. However, that did not take away my conflict. Hmm. As, as the son of a leader in church, 
just seemed to be, and, and this is why I took certain positions that I've shared in the course of this interview over, over time. There seems to be a disconnect between the people I experienced in church and then what I experienced at the back end. Hmm. So, you know, pressing the dad's clothes on Saturday evening on the ironing board on the dining table, dining room, and then you, you eavesdrop into a conversation where Dickiness, SYC, is complaining about minister ABC, and mm -hmm. the lifestyle he's leading at home because Dickiness SYC is married to Minister ABC. And what you hear almost, I almost lost my salvation as a young Christian. Mm. Thankfully, mm. what that did for me was it just made me come to the point where I said, God, if there is a real deal in this thing, I want to experience it. I don't want half measures. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. But if this is not the real deal, I'm out, I'm checking out. And I think he, he had mercy on me because you don't really give God <laughs> an ultimatum. Yeah. So uh, he threw me into the deep end in my university days. And, and then I was, also I, I was also groomed and I got my foundation firmed up as a student mm. leader on campus. No, but the essence of what I'm tr trying to say is that I would have almost lost my salvation at the initial stage, even though I got born again as a teenager, because of the seeming disconnect between the lifestyle that certain church leaders led and mm. what they professed. So uh, my dad also was struggling with that dilemma because that was, there yeah, he was, a zealous man who just found a love and was crazy about it. But then as he interfaced with the people who have probably stayed in the religion for quite a bit, mm. he found that same disconnect. So there was a father dealing with it and his sons dealing with it. But some way, somehow, yeah, we, God in his mercy just navigated my path. And that's why it's also helped my decisions around my children. I have two kids. Um, my first child is a girl and, and my, my last child is a boy. And my approach to raising them as God has helped me so far is I try to, I sniff out the walls of religion and I try to break them down, both mm. virtual walls and real ones because mm. religiosity is one of the things that have ruined um, the life of a lot of um, Christian children who were brought up in Christian homes. Yes, because yeah, I was, I was, I was about to Yeah, they couldn't relate what they hear and what their parents said to their day-to-day -day experience. So hmm. in the days I grew up, if you are a pastor and you did not have, you did not do morning devotion and evening devotion, um, it was, you know, family altar was the in thing. And then in a family altar, many times you just find people fighting out of the family altar. Hmm. Because the family altar then becomes a place where dad, who is now the, the priest, uses the word to beat on the head of everybody, uses the word of God hmm. to beat it on everybody's head. You know, hmm. and then you as a child, you can't speak back because you almost want to tell him, ah, pops, you see, this or that thing you said. I mean, this day, my, yeah. my, my, my daughter, my daughter challenges me this day. She's just it. I said, but daddy, this is what you said. So 
every day I have to watch my words to be sure it mm. sort of aligns with the things that we teach them. So nothing wrong with family altar, nothing wrong with family devotions, nothing wrong with teaching them, but there must be a consistency. And I mentioned that earlier life. in this interview. Yeah. That your lifestyle must be consistent everywhere. Your spouse must be able to say to anyone, this is how he is at home. Mm. Or, this is how she is at home. Your children must be able to say, I'm proud of my dad. I'm proud of my dad. This is what my dad says. And he doesn't say, do this, and he doesn't do it. Mm. And I, I'll, I'll end with a very funny story. Very funny. Okay. When my daughter okay. was, was three, about five years ago, so my daughter was three. So she started a bad habit of not wanting to eat her vegetables and carbs. And immediately she served her food. We're teaching her to eat. Um, adult food. Maybe she sells her food, she goes for the protein. So, usually, we have the privilege of doing Sunday lunch together. So, on the dining table, I instituted a rule and I said, Summer, her name is Summer, you cannot touch your protein until you're done with your carbohydrate and vegetable. All right? So, for instance, until you're done with your rice and salad, you can't touch your chicken. And okay. then she said, Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. And then the meal was served and she was grumpily grumbling while eating her vegetables because she did she normally imagine. would suck them out, you know. And then I was on the phone. I was served my own food. And the first bite I took was of the chicken. And her spoon <laughs> fell from her in shock. I, I suddenly realized a pair of eyes staring at me. And then wow. I said, what is it? And she said, Daddy, what are you doing with your chicken? <laughs> now, this was me, the chicken in my mouth, I froze. Now, who would explain to her that I was just trying to make sure she finishes her food? She finishes her food. Yeah. But, I, but guess what I did? I just said, I'm sorry. Mm. I dropped the chicken back and I went back to my food. Very nice. And when I knew I couldn't finish it, I had to negotiate with Madame. You know, can you remove a portion of this so that I can finish my carbs, mm -hmm. vegetables before I then proceed just the way I've explained to her. So the shock on her face was legit from inside. Like, mm -hmm. how can you just say something now? And you're doing the opposite. You're doing an exact opposite. I would forget that lesson for the rest of my parenting life. So you must, if you cannot do exactly what you're telling them, you must provide and not excusing it out, not shifting them. You must provide reasons why your case is different. And if you are wrong, you must apologize. Ah, that, wrong, one is a, that one is a, is a very, very... It's a very now big... Now, we, we must move big, away from the culture, the African culture that... You see, these are things that we as PKs could not relate with, with our parents. When they exactly. teach forgiveness and they teach certain things, and then at home, it plays out a bit differently. Mm -hmm. Of course, with all res due respect to their human side. But yes, mm -hmm. then again, we must make an effort. You know, yeah. so so that that those were the dilemmas growing up. But I mean, my dad is still a preacher man, you know, running his ministry and doing great 
great work. We are in, we're in great relationship. We talk every day. I bring in my values as a younger person to the ministry work he's doing. And then he also uh, prays a covering over me on what are my family and what I'm doing here in the city. And so there's just this fantastic relationship. Wow, really amazing, really amazing. Not not so many people have this amazing this relationship between um, father and son, or father and daughter, or mother and daughter. However, the case may be. So, what would your your last words be for a PK who is em, embittered? You know, has experienced the clash of reality versus what you say, and they are like, okay, are you sure this is really for me? Maybe I'm better off out there. Let me go and taste the world. So what do you have to say to those PKs at the crossroads or trying to figure out what life is, where, what they should do going forward? I'll begin by saying that the seed of God is inside of you. The seed of God is inside of you. Someone has been praying for you. And, mm. and in, irrespective of how inconsistent that your parents might have, must have been, it's better than being brought up in a place where there are hedonistic practices and there are a lot of voodoo. So you have, you have like a, a, a great platform. And mm. the, the seed of God has been sown in your heart, right? And that seed will continually speak. Um, at some point in my life, I was a, I, 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 I had a friend, or no, I was close to some preacher's kid who walked out in rebellion. Mm. And I kept telling his friends that, you see this one, you are following him to do all these things he's doing. There's an oil on his head. Mm. Someone is praying for him. And eventually mm. the guy has turned around, turned his life around, cleaned up well. Wow. And some of the people in those lifestyles did not, did not make it past the university days. Some of them died in the lifestyle. So, so I, I'm not giving permission for anybody to live in rebellion, but I'm saying to you, I'm just emphasizing that for you as a preacher's kid, the seed of God, the likelihood that you were dedicated at the altar of God when you were born is there. The seed of God rests on your inside. Those scriptures you're, you thought was nuisance, so you kept hearing prayers being said of you. That's a way of speaking into your future, right? Mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. For everything you have experienced, I would say, find God for yourself. Yeah. Do not let yeah. the mirror and the image of God you have be through anybody. Mm. God does not have God does not have grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. God of Abraham, Isaac and jacob he's a transgenerational god he interfaces with every generation as who they are so he interfaced with ephraim and menace he didn't just it wasn't he was beyond the blessings on joseph right so god wants to have a walk with you experience him for yourself give it a walk give it a spin just throw off the 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 go the 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 is it goggle now goggle of religion the the facade of religion and assess him just the way you are tell him how you feel tell him tell him where he hurts and begin again god is waiting for you he loves you trust me you are special you would have been born by herbalist nothing wrong with being born by herbalist but but you were born by a pastor so embrace it God bless you.
Thank you so much. That was really reassuring. I have had an amazing time you know, being in this session. And wow, 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 wow. So much, so many nuggets to, to hold on to. Thank you so much. So for anyone who wants to get in contact with you, reach out to you, so how can they find you? Uh, back to social media. Okay, let me check on my Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah, let me check. Give me a minute. Uh, I think I'll be, I can be found on Facebook as C H I N Y E N N A N W O K. Oh, that's Chinyana Moko Jude, right? Okay. And on on Instagram, on Instagram, my handle is Jude underscore C H I. N Y E Chinye Jude okay. underscore C H I N Y E Jude underscore Chinye. Uh, yeah, follow me. I promise to become a bit more lively on Instagram. <laughs> it's the new. We're embracing the new. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, or, or they can send you an email, right? Just yes, an email on C H I N Y E N N A at gmail.com. I'll take it again. C H I N-Y-E-N-N-A at gmail.com. Okay. So, whichever way, social media, email, if you do need to speak to someone. And if you want us to have a chat, just send me an email, send me your contact, I'll give you a call. Okay, great. Amazing. Thank you so much. We are so grateful you had to give, giving us this time and at this moment. And we do hope that next time, yes, you said your father's story. So we have a, another pending session <laughs> in future. But yeah, but yeah, we're grateful for being here. And we pray that God blesses you, blesses the works of your hands, and causes us all to remain um, in the place that he has called us to be and be fruitful there. You know. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, everyone, for, My pleasure. Watching, for listening. And yeah, do right, follow him. Follow you. him on social media. Send him your emails, your questions, and every other thing that you would love to hear, to watch, and listen. Do share this episode with your friends. Download it. Invite people to listen and learn. You know, the more we, the more we share it, the more we get the word out, the more we are all empowered. Together, we can do more. We are, we are a community, and we'll definitely achieve more. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining. Once again, my name is Ruth Zveru. And for now, it's see you later. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to I'm a PK So What with Ruth Zviru. We are Roy. We are ready. We are ready. I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. I'm a PK.